Welcome to another episode of Hobby Name Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. Mike. And Ward. The astute listener will notice that Steve is not here. We fired him. <laughs> we replaced him with a cat. <laughs> and then the cat honest. fucked off. Yeah. Yeah. She probably went to watch baseball. The cat was pretty good. Come on. <laughs> the cat went to go play 40k and watch baseball. <laughs> That does sound like Steve. <laughs> uh, he should be back for next episode, but for the time being, we're going to just trudge on without him. So, let's kick things off. Dan, what have you been uh, doing this weekend hobby? Um, I built some MDF terrain. Ooh. So there wasn't a lot of paint going on, but there was an awful lot of uh, punching MDF out and gluing it together and uh, getting mad when my laptop for the instructions went down for a couple days. But uh, no, I was doing the uh, Knights of Dice scenery that we bought the other day and came in the mail like four days later from Australia. Amazingly. Yeah, that was absurd. Like you got... I could not believe you got this stuff faster than I've gotten most shipments from Calgary. Yep. Yep, it was not cheap shipping, but it was worth it. Well, not cheap depending on how much. Fuck you, Ward. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, Um, How many things did you paint this week? uh, Roughly 20-ish things I painted. I went crazy and finished off my... um, Celestial War Bringers, Springers, Springers, and uh, I feel like twenty models for you is not going crazy. <laughs> In two weeks is pretty good. I, you, no, I feel like that's a light week. Did, uh, you, did you break your? He's hand? not finished. Yeah, <laughs> it cramped up. I won't lie. <laughs> is your compressor broken? <laughs> that was all brushwork, guys. Come on. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, okay, so w- please go on. What did you do? No, uh, let's see. What did I do? I did five of the uh, retributors, five of the protectors, uh, three of the angel wingy guys. I, it's I, I can't think right now. Uh, yeah, don't I look, look that at up me. at one. Don't point. judge me. Are they the prosecutors? Yeah, they might be. Yes. What about the defendants? <laughs> defendants. <laughs> I love this new seating orientation, by the way. <laughs> oh, son of a nutcracker. Oh, dear. And, well, yeah, anyways, I did lots of Stormcast Eternals. I'm just about done. I got three guys to do and what I own, and then everything's done. Wow. But they're big ones. Star the Dragon Drake. Riders? Star, no, Star Drake. Whatever. The big Wingless one. Dragons? Oh, yeah. No, the Star Drake. Star Drake's the big, big one, the actual dragon. Oh, cool. Yeah. The one that apparently looks better in person than the pictures. Way better. Way Which better. is, I, I hate won't to lie. say this, most of the new Games Workshop models, I don't know what's going on with their, either art, their photographers or the paint jobs or what, but there's a lot of models that are just not looking good until you see them in person. You, got, you jumped on the orc bandwagon pretty quick, though, so yes, I do that's always the okay. case. It could be any orc from any sculptor, and I'm probably going to buy it. Yeah. Like, I'm even looking at mantic orcs and be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is how indiscriminate I am with green skins. Yeah. Gotcha. So so that game of 3-2-1 grenades really got to you then, hey? The skin was in green. <laughs> It was orange. The grenade was green. The grenade was green. I know, Get it right. that was the focus point, wasn't it? Well, it depends on what kind of skin you're talking about, Ward. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough 
stuff that we talked about that may or may not make it onto the preamble. Uh, so what have you done this week? I have built some buildings. Apparently. Good podcasting. They so, can't see you pointing at No, I'm going to hold the mic buildings. up to the buildings. I know you can. Everybody get a view? Yeah. yeah, so like, uh, like Dan was saying, uh, Knights of Dice, uh, we'll talk about that more during one of the segments, but I've been building... Uh, I've got... F- Almost five complete buildings, and all the accessories that I bought pretty much are all done, and I have still a stack of buildings to Yeah, you went way crazier than I did. I did. He went free shipping levels way crazier (laughs) than you did. And then some. For, like, several kilos of MDF crossing the ocean. (laughs) Quickly. Very quickly they crossed the ocean. Apparently, wow. Yeah, so that was, uh, that's been my kind of thing. Oh, and then I've also been at work. Uh, It's been a little bit slow, so I've managed to... Finish cleaning three sets of GW trees, so I will start assembling them as well when I need a break from MDF and the smell of burnt wood. Why would you ever want a break from that? I don't know. I, I haven't had any problems. <laughs> we'll talk about it, but yeah, I haven't had any problems assembling them at all yet. So, How about you? I meant the smell. Oh, yeah. The smell is delightful. Still, Was it cough at him or the cough at me? Still no problems. Never mind. Um, I actually a little bit late to the show, but I've started working on some like competition pieces for um, lock, and lock and load. And the single fig piece I'm doing is the Goblin Chef because it's just way too cool not to paint. And obviously, I have to do green skins. You have three weeks for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does he have a wrinkled forehead? Can you make him look like Chef Ramsay? Oh, probably not. Is he carrying around a pot of soup? Uh, kind of. He's got a pot on his back with, like, uh, crab claws and legs coming out of the side. Oh, okay. Cool. But he's got a, kind of like a barbecue fork and a cleaver for the things that he's wielding. Hmm. But I got the skin mostly done yesterday after putting them together, and I've started, I picked up some of those, oh, what are they called? Um, shit. The... Basically, the molds for doing um, green stuff bases. Okay. Okay. Uh, stamper pad or whatever. Yeah. You call them. And so I've I've got some. I'm starting to play with those a little bit, and so I'm going to try and do some kind of more cobblestony steampunk kind of bases for these models. Nice. So it's turning out pretty well. So. Hmm. Uh, but that's been a lot of fun to work on painting, and that's about it for that. I'm going to jump right into why I didn't do any more things in uh, this week in hobby when I talk about shut up and take my money, because I might have bought a video camera. You did, in fact, buy a video camera. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time kind of playing around with that, getting comfortable with it and getting it to work properly. Uh, it's going to allow us to potentially do more videos. Well, not potentially. It's going to allow us to do more videos because it's a camera. And so ho- I'm hoping to do more battle reports. Um Live interviews at events, both local and abroad, as well as hopefully getting some of the stuff that we talk about on our podcast in video format for tutorials. So if you guys have any things that that we have talked about that you want to actually see a better example of what we've done, let us know, because we can do that now. It's a thing. Yeah. Science. No. Technology. Yes. Technology. It's both. Science has to like <laughs> help out with the points for technology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the backhand will be spared this time, Ward. Why? You're right beside him. You can hit him much easier now. I know. That's why I did already. Yeah, I totally like sitting further away. <laughs> <laughs> I said move back, but you're all no. Let's try something new. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ward, what did that. you? What? Did, what? 
Shut up and take my money? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you talked about those last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's what I spent my money on. So, But uh, shut up and take my money right now. I'm waiting for Gale Force 9 to release uh, some of the new terrain kits that they have coming out. Have they announced them? Uh, Meeple Mart has them uh, as a coming soon. So there's pictures of the boxes. Excuse me while I jack off at my phone. There you go. So um, they used to release... Well, put the phone back. They used to release... Uh, I'm, I'm going to Meeple Mart. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> they released before some like uh, autumn trees. So you have like the oranges and browns and that sort of thing. Um, and they're releasing uh, new pine tree kits. So okay. they have like large pines and small pines. Are you pining over them? So I will be probably when they show up. But uh, so I've talked to Meeple Martin. I said, "Let me know when they are in, and I will be throwing money to Meeple Martin." Can yeah, because they don't do pre-orders anymore. No, really? there's a couple things that I think you can pre-order. I think Silver Tower you can pre-order, but the Meeple Mart just says yeah. coming soon for a lot of that stuff. For the release dates are unknown. Currency fluctuations have screwed them to the tune of hundreds or thousands of dollars. They so do, pre-orders they, not as much of a thing. They do have a price point for them though right now, so I'm assuming that they will be here shortly uh, in the lineup. So well, we'll yeah. find out soon enough. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see when I can throw money uh, at them. So. It's like page four or five or something ridiculous like that further down. So, not that. Okay. That's it for me. Trees, when they come to Maple Mart. Mikey. Oh, 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 oh. And Pirates of the Crim- Crimson yes. Coast Island yes. Terrain Set? Yes, and and that. There's two island terrain sets. There's, what? There's a Spanish one and the Crimson Coast. I don't care about the Spanish one. Pirates Terrain. Yeah. So Sold. I, what so, scale? What? I don't know. There, it's just a red picture right now. This is all it's, we know. Yeah. So yeah, I, that is a business card from Evil Mark. I, I put I put those on my wish list as well. So now I have to see what they actually look like when they come out wow. and such. So, but yeah, so pirate train for islands and trees, hand in hand. I might even play Dystopian Wars if there's pirate train. <laughs> if that's the scale it's in, I'm hoping that could be cool. I'm hoping. Hopefully, we'll find out more soon. Mike. I, I, yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I, no, nothing. <laughs> really, nothing right now. I'm, I'm so backlogged. I can't even think of <laughs> stuff I should buy because I know I gotta finish this stuff. I haven't. Just go, you just gotta push it out, Mike. You gotta go to the doctor. I, for I that gotta shit. go. It's called Metamucil, dude. You should know this. <laughs> <laughs> it means you can eat whatever you want and feel great the next day. <laughs> no. No. Oh, you know what? I'll, I want. I do want to pick some more of the corn bloodbound, but I said I think I said that last time, but I, I just so. haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. Uh, for yeah. me, well, there was the very quick one that actually ended up being a lot cheaper than I expected. Getting the laptop fixed over the weekend, yay! Uh, it helps to have cooling fans, mm. but um, I think Silver Tower probably is the shut up and take my money. Stuff for me that is a wicked cool set. It is totally vibing on Arcane Sanctuary level from Diablo 2 with like the summoner and the goat men, like for the beastmen and stuff like that. The acolytes look really cool, and yeah, it's just really looking like a great set of models. Should be fun to paint up. There's a lot of stuff in a box, it's expensive, of course, but mm-hmm. lots in there. And it sounds like the they're coming out with a companion app as well that'll have rules for I think it's set up to 35. New heroes, which are probably the um, like plastic clam pack heroes from Age of Sigmar. Oh, By the sound okay. of it, they're going to do rules for some, if not all of them. I don't well, know how many there are. That's cool. But yeah, and uh, so the app says it'll also track the 
track like the new abilities and gear that you um, find with your characters because they've also said there's rules for reusing the same character across multiple games if they live. Oh, okay. Mm. So you can track yeah. experience level and. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be leveling up necessarily, but they did say like unlocking new skills and abilities and war gear and stuff like that. So, mm. so it sounds really friggin' sweet. And um, yeah, Silver Tower sounds like it could be a really fun game and just fun models to paint. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for the models in that box, and I was like, I'm gonna go to Meeple Mart and check out if I can pre-order this thing. They actually had a caveat on their website of, like, make sure you know what the game's like before you order it, because you might not want it. I was like, whoa! That's, I've never seen that kind of but it's brazenness also, from a company before. Like, but it's probably also a lot more money than a lot of your average board games are. Mm-hmm. And they stand to lose more, and they might, and especially if they're shipping it across Canada, because they they have to be making a loss on shipping when they have eight dollar flat shipping, regardless of size of box anywhere in Canada. Yeah. So if they have to start doing returns and exchanges by mail, that's not going to be a thing. Fair enough. So that's my guess is it's for their um, like online distribution type reasoning. If they're having to ship these boxes anywhere, they're not going to want to return them. That makes way more sense than they played the game and hated it. Because <laughs> I don't think... They, uh, there's a chance... They did the, say they busted open a copy and like after trying okay. their demo. They're like, make sure you know what you want before you order it. Okay. But I gotta say, even if the game completely sucked, I want to paint those models. Yeah, there's really no duds in the box. They all look really good. Especially those like spidery night goblins. The scuttling goblins or whatever they're called. Where they're like night goblins that are turning into spiders. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't think I've seen Zinch models that I liked as much as those in a long time. Yep. they Some of them look like they'll be tricky to paint. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of willing to give it a shot. They look awesome. Hmm. I was thinking about it. I don't know yet. So I'm kind of torn. 180 bucks is like, ugh. If, I, if it was 150 I don't think I'd bat an eye. You know what I mean? That's fair. I mean, that extra 30 bucks is, it's like when you get past those breaking points, right? Like, $99 versus something that's like 110 It's not really all that much, but it looks really like a big difference. Yeah. So 180 starts to get into the pretty sketchy territory, but, but, but if it should I order, be worth it. But if I order it from one of those like wonderful places we have where you can get it for a little bit cheaper, then it's closer to that 150 range, and I might just have to pull the trigger anyways. This is true. So. But anyway, it's I'm sure you What? It's 152 at one of those places. Place in Calgary? Cool. Yep. Well, damn it, Kyle! <laughs> <laughs> well, that we might uh, have a review if we pick it up in the next couple weeks. Then sounds good. I'm sure I'll do. If I buy it, I'll do at least as much with it as I did any of my calf boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty safe. Fuck one. you, you lazy bastard! Paint your fucking models. I'll put some models together. I paint all kinds of models, just not Space Marines. <laughs> I just can't do it. There's no Space Marines in that box, so you're you're safe. It's true. There's green skins in that box. I'm like, this is setting me up for success. All right. Is that enough about Silver Tower? I think so. Cool. Uh, so moving on to the first period. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we all kind of went to stuff. Yeah, we uh, went places and did things. Yeah, why don't we start with Mike? You were at... Uh, For the children in Calgary, uh, Justin Clark was uh, holding a tournament, and all the proceeds went to help build a... Playground for some the kids in the school in their area. It's you know it's a good cause. You play a game, roll dice, yell at each other, and give money so kids can play in their own area. And if you really like thirty k and forty k, you can check out the uh, his podcast. It will not die. Yep. Uh, I believe they mainly just talk about thirty and forty k, and uh, possibly Sigmar, but not a lot of that yet. 
No, no, they've done like the Path one. Of Glory and did everything one. Like oh, that. did they? Yeah. Okay. So, I was actually listening today, and they were talking about uh, some Path to Glory campaigns that they're doing out east, and uh, lots of thirty k from Justin right now, sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah. So. So, if you want some more Canadian content in your podcast routine, check these guys out. Yeah, and Justin's a really good guy too. So, how was the event for you? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, my first game was uh, against uh, Mr. Paul Ting, and uh, if any of you have ever played Mr. Ting, you know it's a blast. Uh, I didn't win, obviously. Uh, best general. I had a loss to and two wins, but I mean, I had a lot of fun, and it was great throwing tickets and making people re-roll stuff and re-rolling your own stuff, but I did get best paint. Nice presentation. Yeah. Right and that, that was kind of the experience that I had. Actually, that was the exact experience that I had uh, when I was down there, the last one for War Machine because the whole time, you don't even care if you're winning or losing. You're just throwing money at children. Yeah. That's, so they can have a playground. <laughs> well, like, oh, come on. No, it really was. It's like, like you, the, can't, it's you can't take it too serious. It's like, okay, it's, it's, all, it's all for charity. It yeah. really is. It, it really is. And it's just when you're getting completely ass-fucked by that happening – it's it's all cool because it's for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that really went south. Yeah, fast. Holy I had crap. a feeling that was going to go to dark places. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So for anyone who's not clear, they they do have a mechanic where you can, in exchange for donations, you can yes. buy rerolls. Yes, just to make that or other things. Clear. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being our wonderful voice of reason, Dan. That's what I do. No, we were just screaming at each other. I was fun with that. But yeah, it was a it was a good time. Uh, James won uh, best sports prize. That is so not surprising. You and James go to a tournament, and James walks away with best sport, and you walk away with best painted. That hasn't happened before. Well, he is like the most patient man ever for all the the photons, like photons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sending him pictures of soup that he doesn't get to eat. Great pastime. Highly recommended. Yeah, I started you on that. You should thank me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I loved how, like, looking back. So this guy loves faux or far, however you want to pronounce it. And for years now, like a very long, like five plus years, we've been sending this man pictures of us eating it. I think it's actually only been three. Only and three? And that's only because he just discovered it three years ago. Like, I remember looking back in his, uh, and forgetting about some of the ones that I had sent him years ago. But he's he's made a photo album on Facebook for yeah. all the pictures. That Isn't it 150 them? pictures now? Is there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. Uh, I, I'm happy to say I'm pretty sure I'm 50% of that album, but hey... <laughs> yeah, maybe you just eat way too much soup, or maybe I no just, such thing. Maybe I just like taunting James. Mm. Yeah, I'm that guy. All right, fair enough. Uh, anything else? Um, oh, um, Paul Ting won best general. Good for him. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Do you know how much money they raised at this one? Because I remember last. No, time actually, I didn't ask him that. I just I was just throwing money, and I fair gave enough. him the money from you guys losing the cow bet. Lovely. Just did he, did he use it for your own games to buy rerolls? No, I just gave it to him. <laughs> I just gave it to him. Missed Fair opportunity enough. right there. No, no, it's... Oh, come on. <laughs> it's your punishment, not my reward. Come on. <laughs> yeah, one of the same, but yeah. moving on. That would have been a lot of rerolls, by the way. <laughs> that would have been a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, two weekends ago now, I guess, uh, Dan and I went to GDXCon. Yes, the Game Discovery Exhibition. Yeah. Uh, and that was how the... <laughs> wow, that was... I assume you were just looking at me to clarify the acronym that nobody ever gets right? Yes. But you were expecting me to continue. 
Well, may, I, I can re- continue. I refuse. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, basically, what it was was an opportunity for local game developers to show off what they've been working on to the general public and to mingle with other game developers. I think it was largely just within Alberta. A lot of people from Edmonton and Calgary were getting together for it. Yeah, although we talked to some pretty cool guys, That one of them that was from Ukraine originally. Yeah, one of the artists at the booth across from us, because we, what we did is we set up there um, and we were running painting demos so that we could show people some of the crap that we talk about on the podcast Yep, and kind of shameless self-promote, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, and it was really good to mingle with a lot of people that are not traditionally miniature gamers. The number of people that were like, oh yeah, we used to, I used to play 40k back in the day, or I've got these boxes somewhere in my attic or garage. Um, it was a lot of fun to kind of get outside of our regular circle of people. And one of the guys that we met was uh, this artist that worked on a game. What was the game called again, Dan? Uh, the game is called Don't Be Patchman. So that is, it's, the plot synopsis makes no sense, but go to the website. It's don'tbepatchman.com. And, uh, yeah, so they had the artist there. He was from the Ukraine. His name was Igor. Yep. And, yeah, he was just a really cool guy. And he was absolutely thrilled to be able to, I think his example was, oh, my God, I can talk about Windsor and Newton brushes and somebody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, like, sitting there <laughs> painting with one. Like, we're, um, it, it was really kind of nice to talk to an artist outside of uh, miniature painting because you give a lot of perspective on different things you can do to kind of help train and practice you for, uh, kind of increasing your hand-eye control, for especially for doing freehand or um, kind of getting just more more control. Sorry. Yeah, as like a classically trained artist with, I think he said he painted one miniature for a friend once who basically like browbeat him into doing it. Where he's like, "You're a trained artist. Clearly, you can paint miniatures. Here, paint me this miniature." Yeah. But I uh, know he brought a very different perspective, and a lot of it came down to like composition and color theory. And the thing that he was really encouraging was for. People, like, whether you're sculpting or painting or doing anything like that, he's saying just sketching, like, pencil and paper really gets your brain going, and you can really get that understanding of shapes and how things work together, and again, composition. Especially still life is what he was really recommending. Like, having a couple objects on a table in front of you and trying to sketch uh, an exact representation of them from various angles, and by getting getting it more accurate, um, you're actually training your brain to understand the spatial difference between the objects in front of you so you can represent them better on paper. And a lot of it is breaking down basically the the stimulus from the perception of it. So like the raw sensory input, which is something that your brain normally really heavily filters and does all these shortcuts and stuff on it. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to like break down the way you see things and the way you look at things and the way it all comes together and focusing on proportions and uh, light and shadow and really interesting so he was definitely encouraging to play around with like a pencil and paper once in a while and he said it will in addition to just like your basic motor coordination it will help you kind of get into the mindset of painting in some weird ways and sculpting as well so uh give that a whirl i know i'm kind of looking at ways that i can find time in my life to incorporate sketching for 10 20 minutes a day kind of thing to try and get that trained up a little bit yeah um and like with anything else uh if you can do it for that kind of five to 20 minutes a day, it's way better than doing it once a week for an hour. Absolutely. Because you're really working on building that kind of that motor skill or kind of breaking that perception versus stimulus kind of association. And there's all kinds of books and stuff. Like you can go to Chapters or whatever, Amazon, and get like a how to sketch or how to draw type book. And it's like being a kid again. 
But uh, a lot of that stuff, yeah, would be a good way to up your motor skills a little bit and uh, hopefully improve your painting game. Yeah, absolutely. So other than that, it was, it was really nice to uh, kind of get out there. A lot of people didn't really know that uh, that this kind of that the kind of effort that we like to put into into models is really something that people were doing. Uh, so <clears throat> I know we brought a couple models with us. A lot of people were really happy to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, got uh, lots of questions on those. And also, one of the biggest things that I noticed, people were surprised how many different games are out there right now. Yeah, a lot of people have heard of, like, they knew about Reaper miniatures for doing, like, D&D models. They knew, a lot of them knew about Games Workshop because they played, you know, back in the day, played some Warhammer or something. A lot of folks knew about Battletech. Like, way more than almost, like, Battletech was almost as popular amongst that demographic as 40k. Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I showed up that day and you're like, Battletech has been a hot topic, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and a lot of it, too, just because a lot of the people there were, like, 3D artists and everything, so if they were asking questions about, oh, or any any of those models that you brought today, were they 3D printed? And it was like, the Battletech ones were. <laughs> so it was, it was a pretty cool Not legally, because... <laughs> but we did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> but, um, no, it was really interesting, and it kind of helped, it did sort of help, like, bridge the gap a little bit between the tabletop gaming and the video gaming which is, uh, you know, as a bunch of video game developers, that was predominantly the crowd there. And so the battle tech in some ways between the MechWarrior games and the 3D printing was kind of the lead in and the conversation starter. You know, and yeah, it was ended up just being a lot of fun talking about all these things. And yeah, and on the first day, we only ran one painting uh, lesson, but the second day was almost nonstop. Yeah, there was because we didn't have a heck of a lot of space. So doing more than one at a time wasn't an option, but we must have done at least like eight, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. It was most of the day running straight, which is really awesome. Ranging anywhere from a... Especially, it would probably would have been about a dozen if you included every single time we showed chipping medium. Yeah, the chipping medium was a big hit. Everybody thought that looked awesome, and some people, I think, too, were saying it makes a lot more sense to have like a subtractive weathering method where you're taking off paint rather than sponging over top, yep. because it's it's the opposite effect. It's not going to look the same. Yep. So. And I think, again, a lot of people, especially if they're texture artists from the 3D games or whatever, this is the kind of stuff that they know how to recreate like realistic, real-world effects when you're using these little you know, cheats and other techniques and everything. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to go back next year because I think we went into it expecting a lot, no, having no idea what to expect, to be honest. Yeah, really. Uh, so <laughs> we, we kind of just brought in some stuff, talking about the techniques that we'd done on the podcast. And I think next year we might take it a bit more of an approach of a little bit more introductory rather than intermediate. Yeah. And have maybe set up a little bit more of that detail for, this is what can get people into miniature gaming. And hopefully we can bring some henchmen or press gangers or talons or whatever else with us. And there can be some demo games happening as well. Yeah. The interactivity of that would be really cool. And they did have some gaming tables set up upstairs for, I think it was uh, tabletop, tabletop cafe. cafe. Yeah. So hopefully we can just kind of, Build a little bit more of that interest uh, for miniature gaming amongst a different demographic. And I do have to say, too, those are the kinds of people that I want to hang out and get into with and get into the community. There was a very enthusiastic and, you know, just friendly and helpful and insightful. There were great people, everybody from the volunteers to the other presenters to just the guests that were walking, um, you know, walking the show floor. Everybody had a great attitude. They were there because of games in all different facets. And yeah, there's just great attitudes everywhere, and those are the kind of people that you want to bring into the hobby. Yeah, so if you're looking at building your community locally, let's say you don't live in Edmonton, you live in one of the smaller towns, 
it's worth branching out into these other avenues because you're going to find a lot of people with similar interests that maybe don't know exactly how to get into miniature gaming. Because in all honesty, instead of picking up a, a, game, a new game for your computer, it can be a little bit daunting to get into figures. Absolutely. So go ahead, branch out. Uh, if nothing else, we had a great weekend talking to a ton of awesome people. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to set up a, like a painting booth at a video game convention, <laughs> but just get out there and try and meet people in any, as many different places as you can, because you never know, you might find some really awesome people to game with. Yeah, and I think the, you know, the long term of this little experiment might end up with something along the lines of um, like the comic and entertainment expos or whatever that come through regionally once a year, we might end up going to those things more too and representing the podcast at an event like that. And again, reaching out to similar demographics that maybe just don't play wargaming, like tabletop games or whatever. So So stay tuned. You may see us in a city near you. Hopefully Battletech will be the connection there. Well, naturally. It's always the connection. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's why you're coming to LVO next year, Dan. (laughs) It's Battletech. (laughs) Okay, so moving into the second period... Ward. Ward. Yes, we have a discussion going on with Knights of Dice. Uh, so we, me and Dan, uh, we went a little bit crazy uh, and bought a whole mm. bunch of trains. A little, little bit crazy? A little bit crazy? Dan went a little bit crazy. <laughs> Dan, Dan showed me the website and then I lost my mind. Yeah, I showed him the website and then he bought the website. Yeah, pretty much. So um, anyway, Knights of Dice is a MDF train company uh, based in Australia and uh Right now, they've got a few different ranges. Um, old or Century City is, is the main line. Yeah, it's line sort of the parent range. Where different systems will plug into that. Um, so we've got uh, Old Town. I picked up a whole bunch of buildings, and they're going to be more of an intact structure. Uh, they've also got Chinatown, which again has, oh, I'm sure you can so tell, sexy. A, ch- a Chinese feel to it. Uh, and then they <laughs> You have, don't say. Yeah. And those uh, ones have a lot more interior detail as well, which is cool. Yeah, those ones are also stackable terrain, too. So you can buy different floors for them and, and add new floors to the existing buildings that you might already have. Yeah, way more modular. And then uh, their third range would be the Aftermath. So some of the buildings from Old City in a destroyed uh, sort of format, uh, broken up highways, uh, very much like Borderlands, Mad Max style sort of yep, thing. Yeah, Fallout, that sort of a thing. Yep. Very, very post-apocalyptic to the point where... They actually have the branding on their website for the scenery is like approved for this is not a test, which is a recently kickstarted post-apocalyptic um, tabletop miniature game that I know Jay and um, Ash from, was it Gorilla? Gorilla War Gaming. Gorilla Wargaming. Gorilla Wargaming or something like that. Does pretty cool video battle reports and everything um, out in Ontario. And they're actually just giving, a, giving this is not a test to go and watch the battle report of it a while ago. And I'm stoked. So. Yeah, and the really cool thing about just quickly quick tangent on that game is that they're actually doing their battle reports in a sequence. So there's like a story arc over three to six games. So I'm really curious. We're gonna look into that later and get back to you guys on it. It yeah. looks like a very thematic, very story driven skirmish game in a post apocalyptic universe, which sounds really, really fucking. And bad. it does have that does have that Mordheim style. Like you track your injuries, your experience level ups, and. Um, you do like searching the ruins after the battle, and you like flip cards because they actually use a deck of cards rather than a D sixty six chart for that. Oh, you're excited for that. So it's like I love my cards. <laughs> so it's like Queen of Spades. You found like an abandoned bunker. Make an intelligence test to see if you can like get through the security defenses, and you can get all kinds of cool shit on the inside, or you might trap yourself in a hole in the ground somewhere. Bad news. Bad news. <laughs> 
But yeah, so it, it seems like a really cool game, definitely worth a shot. So we're going to hopefully have some, again, content to report on that in the near future. Especially because it's an excuse to use Knights of Dice Terrain. Absolutely. And back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dan, why don't you talk about what you uh, what you picked up first? That makes sense. I should go first because I really didn't buy nearly as much. It will take a lot less time. I picked up um, the Kraken Petroleum Gas Station which um, actually has some of that interior detail stuff to it as well. That one has been awesome. I haven't quite finished building it yet. Um, but no, that, that's been a great kit. I got the, the billboard set, the dumpster set as well, just for some extra scattered terrain. And I picked up the little ramen noodle shop, which for a tiny little building has like insanely intimidating um, instructions. So that one will probably save for last because I don't want to screw it up. And <laughs> that one as well, just because it's so small and claustrophobic, um, I'm going to have to really put a lot of thought into sub-assemblies for being able to like paint components before putting them together. Mm, so I want to save that one for last so I know what I'm doing. And uh, I th- are those the only four I got? I feel like I might be... Oh, I did get one of the Aftermath Ruin building sets as well. I can't remember which one, but... Um, oh, when you got that together, I got to come over and take a look then. But yeah, because I think Ward has the intact version of it, so we can have... Most likely. <laughs> so we can have like the before and after with, again, the, the fully intact one that j- just has the exterior detail versus the one where the whole back end of the building is all blown out and the ceiling's blown out. And oh, I know the one that you're talking about. I think it's beside you over there. It's in the pile still. It's in the so. pile. That doesn't help. <laughs> okay, so to simplify things, uh, go look at the website. Ward bought everything else. Pretty much. If, Not literally, but just about. If it was part of the Chinatown or the old city, I pretty much have one of every building for sure. Oh, I do. I didn't buy any doubles currently. Um, <laughs> so you just bought one of every building in those two ranges? One of every building in both of those ranges, uh, pretty much. I, I think there was one building that I didn't buy in Chinatown. And I think that was just more of like the cafe area that... And the tables that I didn't buy. Yeah, because they have like a little exterior patio set as well. Yeah. That's Just the, one. the coolest shit you could imagine. I think Amazing that's detail. The one thing that I didn't buy. Um, but yeah, I picked up uh, all the old old uh, city buildings. And uh, I'm currently uh, building the easy ones, quote unquote, <laughs> for that. So uh, they've got your four basic sides. And then they've got an extra like layer to build up depth on the buildings. Uh, and then additionally, uh, some of them will have a little bit extra in the front, whether it be like some signage, a little extra uh, in the back stairs coming down, nothing really extra in the back, no, no junk, junk in the trunk, no junk room. in the trunk. That's where you can put the dumpsters is in the, <laughs> oh, yeah. is, is in the back. So, and um, you've yet to tackle any of the buildings that have extensive balconies and fire escapes, which look awesome. A little bit more complicated assembly. Yeah. So I, I opted not to go with those first. I went with the, the basic buildings. Good so call. Like, uh, 89 uh, and 91st uh, Street buildings, the Morris building, um, the shopping center downtown is the one that I'm just finishing up here. I'll, that'll be done tonight, and I'll move on to the next one. So, uh, Ward, I got a question for you. Sure, go ahead. On the, for the dumpster, uh, why isn't one open? Why isn't there a dead body and garbage in it? Uh, because I will be ordering another set. All right, yeah. good answer. You, you get two dumpsters and one thing. And, and they're dump- quite cheap, too. The dumpsters were 31 pieces, I think I counted, so there's a decent amount of uh, detail in all these buildings as well. It sounds like a lot until you realize that the lids are like four or five pieces each, and then and that's like a th- over a third of the parts in the kit. So Yeah. Exactly. Because so. there's two little sub-lid type uh, assemblies per. No, they those ones go together really nicely and quickly. So I do have a question for you guys. Um, have you built any other MDF scenery? 
I, I was working on some of the MDF from, um, why can't I think of the company? Spartan Games. Okay. Uh, oh. Some of that train, and this... The Spartan Games stuff. There's a reason why I didn't get around to building any. The Spartan Games stuff, you open the box, you get a million frames with no instructions. There's no instructions on the website. All the pieces look the same, and you have no idea where to begin. You also see, I find that when you're assembling it, you see a lot of join parts. Uh, sections. So in the buildings like this, the facade... For the uh, Spartan ones, you mean? Yeah, you'll, you'll see a lot of the joins that won't fit together super well, necessarily. Uh, where, like, the buildings um, for Knights, that of, Knights dice. of Dice, they've got that extra, like, layer that I was talking about that you layer on top to give the building depth. And a lot of it hides the the gaps or the joints of the sub-assembly. It'll also, like, yeah, oh, hide, hide okay. a bunch of that sort of so thing. So you don't see those little rectangular plugs where the two layers are actually interlocking for strength? In a lot of cases, if that's in the background, there's kind of a facade layer of like little brick trim or something like that that you put over top. It hides all those seams, and uh, if you're doing a quick dry brush, it won't accentuate them because they'll be hidden by detail. Yeah. So how easy were they to put together? Like, you said there's a lot of pieces, Yep. but <clears throat> was it overly complicated to just kind of sit down? Uh, like, okay, so I guess the, the biggest question I have for you guys, when you open these kits up... Yes. Uh, is there a lot of prep work you have to do before you start putting it together? I would say a lot less than some of the other manufacturers. One of the reasons why being um, a lot of the kits that have a lot of really intricate details, like if they have a lot of the window frames or kind of like a grid texture where like the little squares are all punched out for like making the flooring. And with these kits, um, a lot of the smaller pieces where the offcuts aren't important, they're actually laser cut 100% of the way around. So there's no, there's none of those little tiny tabs that you have to very carefully cut or break off. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those pieces where you would, with any of the other manufacturers, like you'd have to be super careful not to break them and you'd spend all this time punching them out. In these cases, you literally can just use the butt end of a paintbrush and go like tick, 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 and knock out all those dozens of pieces with no work. So I think they're actually a lot less prep time than some of the competition where if they had all those little tabs cut out, but you still had to, you know, cut that extra notch and remove all the pieces carefully, they would be an absolute nightmare. But they thought ahead. Yeah, case hmm. in, case in point, especially with like the billboard sign, it's got like a uh, kind of a mesh grating, and that's what was all 100% cut. So you just had to push out if any of them stayed in there during shipping, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, a lot of the buildings as well, um, the the main four corner pieces have the interlocking bricks on the corners, and those just came in the sheets uh, with just the the wall section itself. So that was all like laser cut. Uh, 100% around as well and so the finish on that was was you didn't need to do anything else really to yeah there you go and obviously there's no mold lines so that's that's not a thing you got to worry about Ward uh, yeah uh, the the only thing is the windows but that's like to be under understandable is when you pop out the windows you'll just have to clean up uh, the sides where the the laser didn't completely cut and it is worthwhile to note that like any of the MDF scenery when you're cutting out the pieces and there's very thin connecting pieces and everything. You do have to be careful. Like, just snapping them out, you might end up breaking the piece. Yeah. Or if you can grab an X-Acto knife or something and, like, cut a, you know, decent amount of the way through. If you can not cut out those little notches that are holding those larger pieces together, then you can pop it out without risking, like, shattering the window frame or anything. So I think I only had one piece out of the buildings that I've worked on so far um, break while popping it out of the frame. There was one of the supporting pieces that holds up the the ladder that glues on the side of Kraken Petroleum. Um, I think it was, 
it was kind of an irregularly shaped piece and it snagged a little bit on the frame on the way out. And as I was pushing a little bit harder, it just snagged and kind of torqued around that frame and just snapped it. But I fixed it. It took like five seconds and you can't really see the area at all. So could have been a lot worse, but no, it's, they're very easy to de-sprue, I guess, if that's a word. And, it is uh, now. <laughs> and the fact that the instructions online are just on the website, easily found in PDF form, much like the GW rules where you can download the war scroll on the same page where you can order the product. There's a PDF link to the instructions in the web store on the Knights of Dice website. Oh, wow. In the, PDF. Yeah, in the description tab, it'll it'll give you the description. It's like, for instructions, click here. And it's just below and it takes you right wow. to a new page with, with uh, how to pop out the pieces and uh, do the buildings and the instructions as well just to finish the thought there they're all rendered based on like the CAD designs so they're 100% accurate like 3D representations um, a lot of them actually have some text-based notes as well like oh you might might find this next step is tricky so here's a tip for like helping put it together so they actually have hmm. like it shows a lot of forethought and a lot of planning and I think awareness of what areas might help um trip up the users especially if they haven't done much of the mdf building construction before so very handy the fact that they're easily found was a big bonus for me over the spartan games because again to return to that thought the spartan stuff the instructions i couldn't find at the time i couldn't tell where to begin on a lot of those kits and it was great to have that user-friendly experience so i could get started and not feel like i'm way in over my head yeah, no, for sure. All the sprues also typically give you, like, a little hook tool. Little tool. Yeah, it's a little yeah. crowbar-looking thing that's designed to help pop out other pieces safely from the sprue. Actually, to, to be fair, they're on the Spartan ones, too, for that. What, what I found is actually really good for these is when you're putting together uh, the facade pieces over top of your main building structure, mm-hmm. is sometimes the white glue will spill out over. Oh, you can use it to spill And the one part is super nice to just run, run down the side. And, to create a well. And basically pull away all the excess glue right on. as well which is which is super handy so um yeah if you're if you're looking to, for like train for like 40k for an example which i'm going to use the intact buildings for when i do order some of the aftermath runes that's going to be more of the skirmish game terrain that i'm going to use frankly um, both work for 40k great the intact buildings are more line of sight blocking absolutely yeah. where infantry will love the interior access of the ruins yeah no for sure right so and uh the three i found the three-story ones here i got some measurements from a couple guys in uh in town today about how tall uh wraith night stands and a storm surge and the three-story seems to be perfect ones for that so and they have four-story and five-story there are buildings in this product range that will hide some of the smaller titans <laughs> yeah so I'm, and without breaking the bank, <laughs> I'm I'm super sold on it with our Canadian dollar and uh, the Australian dollar pretty much being on par. Uh, it was a no brainer that that's uh, also where I wanted to go from. The shipping was amazing. Yeah, four days. Four days. We I the order was processed on Monday. I got the stuff on Friday. And for me, it was the exact same. I ordered a day afterward, and they both came the same, like literally the less than a week after we ordered. And this was while they had a big sale on, so they had a spike in traffic as well. Yeah, we bought during International Tabletop Day, which uh, we got uh, a deal on the, the kits. And yeah, then they had a sale and uh, discount on shipping on the website. Shipping was 40% off, which I think if you're going to order from Australia, that's a big thing. But um, I just ordered enough that you didn't need to worry about shipping. So <laughs> spend over 400 bucks, bang! 
They're gonna send it right. It's only four hundred bucks. Well, no, minimum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> double yeah. that, Tom. Yeah. And yeah, to give you an so. example of what their prices are like, I think most of their um, old town Century City range it seemed to be around that forty to forty two dollar price range for most of the buildings. Yeah. Uh, so and that's the three to four story that, buildings. Yeah. Yep. These, these ones here were uh, each. $40. Uh, I think this one was like 42 Great radio. Uh, <laughs> the four-story four is 42 uh, A lot of the smaller kits, like I got both of these elevator shafts that can go on top of your buildings for extra detail. Uh, you get two of them in a pack for like 12 bucks. The dumpsters, I think, were like two for $12. Two for 12 The subway entrance, I think, was 16 uh, The billboard was, I think, 16 or 18 You need to like put that. lights on that one, Ward. You could string some LEDs you up with that. that up, man. You're, you're the light guy. But mine are going to be like Fallout style. Like they haven't been in working order for 200 years. You so. did, I got the board that does the, uh, the, the spark. The, the blinking spark. One yeah. Now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about like filling the gap in underneath the billboard. So mm-hmm. you could put a battery under there pretty easily, I think. And True. Oh, man. What? So. Something wrong? Possibilities are endless what, here. I'm sorry, what was that? What? Nothing. Nothing. What? Uh, the kits that I'm really looking forward to is uh, is the petroleum station, though, that you're building right now. Yeah, Kraken Petroleum. And then, so good. And then the theater. The movie theater was awesome. Yeah. I'm holding out for them to do a ruined Aftermath version of it, personally. Yeah. I think that one was, like, in the 50s. What, so it can be just straight out of Fallout? And oh, yeah. how cool would it be to have, like, post-apocalyptic, like, zombie, whatever, mutants games, and then have... Have, like, the hills have eyes be on, like, the marquee for the movie theater or something? <laughs> That'd be so cool. I'd probably do Evil Dead, but yeah. Well, they're not all going to be zombies. They might just be mutants and stuff. I might have to magnetize the marquee. But, uh, no, it would be it'd be pretty cool to have, like, well, no, you know post-apocalyptic what? I, or that, zombie that, horror. Omega I have, Man? I have sheet metal. All you would have to do is magnetize the letters. That's true. Gee whiz. Uh, okay, so, so I... Uh, and, and I mean, it's a, it's a new company as well. I, I can't talk enough good things about this company right now. Um, they are doing uh, other other um, ranges. So they, they have been talking about some 40K. There's been some pictures on their site uh, for stuff that's up and coming, um, some overgrown stuff. But uh, I'm super jazzed for... Pretty much anything that comes out. I signed up for the newsletter. I typically don't for anything. Wow. Like, just let me know when new stuff is coming. You've it's... given them your access to your inbox. Oh, man. I'm just, I you guys give, are going steady. I would give them my firstborn at this point. Well, you don't have one, so that's not a good trade for them. Mm. But, um, no, it's seems great. Um, are there any other thoughts for, like, comparing them to other ranges? Any other? I guess. Tom, you're, you're a big proponent of the foreground brand how do you think these ones compare to the oh, foreground buildings that you it's apples on? and oranges i think like the foreground stuff is all the pre-painted which is a huge bonus in its which own is way. a huge bonus in its own right um you're gonna have a little bit more prep work for getting the pieces out because they don't have any of the stuff 100 percent already uh fully cut yeah there's more but it's pre-painted piece, there's more little pieces too to be honest from foreground and or from, from foreground like because when i do the the skyscrapers for drop zone Every window's two or three pieces. Yeah, there's, there's tons of pieces. I think the biggest difference is that the f- stuff that Foreground makes is so dramatically different in a, in style. Yeah, this is very this. Art Deco as well. Because um, the Foreground does the really good kind of medieval and western style buildings. They've got the drop zone ones. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that I would call them both very good products, just with different uses. So it's it, apples and oranges between the two. But I do think... I or like apples you can eat out of the fridge or baking apples. Because they're, yeah. they're both terrain. Apples to apples. The, 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 my thoughts <laughs> on this, you get... This is quantity and it's good quality. But the other one is the, the other ones are smaller. Is the best quality smaller and a little seen. bit more detailed. It feels like is what I'm thinking. Yeah, but you know what? You're getting bigger bang for your buck for the Knights of Dice stuff. I think. And the biggest difference too is that the uh, all of the the foreground stuff is actually 28 mil scale. So like far, a hard 28. Well, sorry, like the the stuff in this rough scale is a hard 28 mil. This stuff seems to be a little bit closer to like to a 30, world. 32 mil. Um, okay. Yeah, right. So. The buildings you get for the foreground are a lot smaller. You're not going to find anything that's going to work for a 40K or an Infinity or that kind of thing. And there weren't necessarily a lot of five-story apartment buildings in the Old West. Right. I'm aware of. There were probably some in the major cities, but not necessarily in the Old West. Yeah. So, and that's why I say it's really hard to compare the two, because these ones, like, I'm looking at them here, and they're pretty massive, right? Like, that... The four-story one is probably, what, about 11 inches tall by five in no, the No, I think it's closer to 12, to be honest. But they're big, right? Like, these are really big buildings. Most of the foreground ones that I have and that I use are maybe, like, three, four inches tall. Just over 11. For three or four inches story. wide, maybe five or six <laughs> inches long. Like, they're not very big buildings. Um, which, for one thing, makes them way easier to transport. Like, I don't know, what, I have no idea how the fuck you're getting these to and from Onslaught, but... Um, we're going to make it work. That's future words, probably. <laughs> uh, but they do look really great, actually. Uh, uh, the, I mean, the big thing that I, I was I was going for is, like, more 40K. I'm trying to push more 40K. I'm doing a two-day event for uh, this onslaught. Uh, I'm going to make room for up to 64 players and try to make it a, a major event. So I needed more terrain, and line-of-sight blocking terrain is the big thing. And this compared to the ITC, ITC terrain that Frontline Gaming makes is pretty much like two corners and like a, a flat section. There's and I think that's a better comparison here than necessarily the foreground because it's designed for a similar use, right? Fair enough. And this stuff is way more detailed than that. They uh, Knights of Dice does have like a, a toned down version of terrain. The... I think it's called something along the lines of, like, tabula rasa or something like that. Like, the whole, like, blank slate. It almost looks like a do- like Adobe-style, like, buildings. Yeah, they're very much designed to be, like, a low-cost, quick-to-assemble, durable, like, terrain or-, or tournament organizer pack. So they're a lot simpler, a lot cheaper. So but uh, not the same level of detail as, like, the Century City or Aftermath or anything like no, that. No, I think that that style would be more of, like, what the ITC terrain is, right? Yeah, or, maybe even taking to a little bit further extreme. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the big thing with this is, like, yeah, you can you can block, like, line of sight terrain, like, not a problem. A lot of the buildings have multiple um, walls that are just brick. You can't see through the buildings. Where the frontline gaming, it's meant to be line of sight blocking terrain, but they do have quite a few big open windows cut out. Well, and what a lot of guys do with that is they recommend that you cover it over with like balsa wood or something. Like it's the ruin building, right? Yeah, you could do them yeah. boarded up. Yeah, but that's that's more work, and that's more work than just the kit is. Right? I, I think if I was to look at a comparison here between the purpose of these kind of buildings instead of either their tabula rosa, tabula rasa, tabula rasa. Or the uh, the frontline stuff. These are high detailed for making great looking boards. Mm-hmm. 
The other ones are great if you are a tournament organizer and you're trying to punch it out quickly and get some decent looking boards on a budget. Yeah, and the Tabula Rasa stuff, like they have a bundle of seven buildings for $105. Yeah. So it's it's a probably maybe 40 to 50% of the cost of their Old Town and Chinatown type buildings. So a lot cheaper, but definitely the, a lot less detail. The six Old Town buildings is 215 so yeah, it's it's half the price for a more basic building for sure. Yep. But I'm yeah, I'm just waiting to make my next order. It's, oh, I'm never going to tell you to not buy sweet looking scenery. <laughs> but I would like to point out we we are in Ward's basement, so I'm going to make use of it. There's a lot about of six months ago. You bought a shit ton of tabletop world scenery that you were really excited about. And I'm staring at a shit ton of bare resin. Yeah, it's I'm sh- I'm shocked and appalled. Wait, is there some covered resin that it's, I'm not seeing? It still looks pretty fucking. I don't see though. any covered resin. Tom, what are you talking about? Where's the covered resin? I said bare resin. He's a bear. You're seeing a lot of bare resin. I don't see any covered at all. It's all bare. You didn't say there was. <laughs> You're splitting hairs there, Mikey. <laughs> Either way, um, let's get some of the stuff painted. Is the punchline? Oh yeah. Do okay. we want to give your it? Fucking models. Do you want to give it a puck rating? Oh, uh, Knights of Dice? Knights of Dice. Absolutely. Okay, so you guys are not going to like the rating that I give it. I'm giving it a three because it's very limited use. It's amazing looking scenery. And as soon as... And obviously, it's the biggest factor for me is they're making amazing scenery that I want to play with, but I have no games to play it with. That was my initial reaction, too. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I think uh, if we get into this, uh, this, this is, is not, not a test, test. Yeah. or... Or if they start making some stuff, I'm bitter. I'm sorry, I'm just bitter. It looks so great. It's pretty reasonably priced for how detailed it is, but they don't make it for Malifaux or for War Machine or any of those games that I really like playing. So if they had a more diverse range, I'd give them I'd give them a four or five easily. But I'm going to give them a three because it's a very narrow scope for the games you can play with it. Fair enough. And I think given the fact that I think they've been selling these kits since November of 2015, there's probably a good chance they'll come out with additional lines and aesthetics of scenery in a little bit of time. They're still getting started. Oh yeah, and I'll revisit this. The second they come up with a range for a game that I play, my shut up and take my money will be amending my rating of this company. Fair enough. But for the time being, it's <laughs> it's almost a stretch to use this stuff with 40k and Infinity because there's not a lot of that like super art deco 50s style buildings present in like the 41st millennium. You could just put some skulls all over the place. It'll be fine. <sighs> But I, I get it, but like they're making a beautiful range in a in a setting that doesn't actually have any miniature games. <laughs> it's frustrating. Fair enough, fair enough. But Mikey, I'm gonna give it four out of five. I like it, but it is limiting. I, I won't deny that. But uh, I do like the Chinatown. I think will actually work for Infinity, so that's why mine's and a, higher. And Batman. And Batman too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, word. I'm going with the five. I, I had a feeling you would. I, I love it. It's amazing. I'm not tired of building it. I just basically want to leave work and come home and build terrain. <laughs> Fair enough. No, that's that's a pretty solid endorsement because there's a lot of the other MDF kits where they would like just in- drive me up the wall. Yeah, they would just no, induce no, no. like an instant migraine the second you open the box just because they're so complicated and you don't know where to begin. These ones not so much. I should probably stop talking until it's my turn. It is your turn. It's your turn. Okay, I'll keep talking. Uh, I'm going to echo that and I think give it a five. Because it, to me, yeah, it has that level of detail that, um, well, for starters, it's a style that I very much like. 
Uh, Steve is, a, I know, a fan of the Art Deco aesthetic as well, but I've always been a big fan of it. Um, so I love the aesthetic. It totally works for me. I think the first time I posted to their Facebook page, my exact quote was, like Tom, your stuff makes me want to play games that I don't own just so I have an excuse to buy this terrain. <laughs> and then I just went ahead and bought the terrain, and I'm now finding games to play for it. So That's it's all true. working out. This is not a test. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the detail is great. It's right up my alley. The I do think that the aftermath scenery will be fine for 40k. It's not the most immersive thing ever if it's not covered in skulls and purity seals and other random tech bits and everything, but there's a, I think there are probably a lot of like low-tech imperial cities where they are like, it's you know, 1950s level architecture and stuff in a lot of ways, but with like giant It's an agri world. Yeah, sure. There's everything. It's a big imperium. Not everything is made of skulls. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, let's not get it. Dan, don't be hasty. <laughs> but no, I I really like it. It's it's one of my favorite brands of terrain. And like Ward is saying, it is one of the only ones that actually motivated me to actually build some of the models. Because I had those Spartan Scenic MDF ones in my house for way too long. And they intimidated the shit out of me. They didn't look fun to work on. And... This is like night and day difference to me. The detail is there. It's perfect. The prices are good. I could go on for an extremely long time about this scenery. I'm, I'm digging it. Five. Yeah. Okay, so let's change gears. Um, one of the things that is happening in Alberta right now is a miniature swap. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's kind of like a, a modified Secret Santa where you get a bunch of people all committed to doing the miniature swap. And whoever is organizing it will draw names and you'll be given someone who you're going to be painting up a model for. And you'll be sending it off to them uh, without them knowing ahead of time that it's coming from you. So one of the ways to make it so it's not a complete waste of everyone's time is that you will (laughs) create a list of your likes and dislikes. So you're getting a model that you'll probably either use in one of your armies or that's in a style that you appreciate. It'll look good on a shelf, if nothing else. Absolutely. And it's a great opportunity not only to build the community, but also to um, challenge yourself to try and up your skills, because the idea is you are going to push yourself to do the best model that you can, Uh, and also to get examples of other people's works. Because you can look at photos online all you want, but it's never the same as looking at a mini in person. No, absolutely. Most of the time, the miniature looks far better than it does in the picture. Yeah, and so. you can appreciate all kinds of levels of detail, like the way the shading is and some of the more difficult-to-access areas of the models, that sort of a thing. It's That was always something that, back in like the early days of commission painting, when the best painters weren't like booked a year in advance, that was always one of the things I meant to do, was put a bunch of money aside and get a few of my favorite artists to commission, whatever, a couple hundred bucks each, and get some of my favorite models done up by some of my favorite painters for reference, and then I could like try to recreate that later. So this is a good way to do that without spending like $1,000 on commission painting services. Yeah, and the one that we've got right now, I think it's got a $25, $30 cap for the model, and you're shipping within Alberta, so it'll be like another $5, 10 bucks. Yep. So, and everyone's involved in doing it. So I, I think for something like this to be really useful, you've got to almost be able to approach it as a, uh, as a learning tool as well. Yep. Because there's tons of different people involved, and so you, if you're sending out your model, like first off, you're putting uh, as much as you can into it. Uh, so be proud of whatever you're doing. But also it's an opportunity not, not just to see other people's work, but to maybe actually get some of that in-person feedback on things that maybe you could have done better or differently with the model that you're working on to try and increase your own skills. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've signed up. I think I might be the only one. From us? From our podcast that did. Yeah, no, I was talking to Dallas, and I just have too many awesome MDF buildings to build right now. So. Yeah, I know the timing's not <laughs> ideal, because um, this is kind of the the warm-up towards tournament season, Yeah, while simultaneously having a fun summer. Yeah. 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 So, it, it, it was a tough call for me to make, so, but... Uh, I was going to offer to be the even number if he needed an even number, but then he informed me because they were just drawing randomly. It didn't really matter that he had an odd number. Everybody was going to still paint for somebody else, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a moron. These aren't tournament pairings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully next one I'll be able to jump in on. So it sounds like he wants to make him like a regular occurrence, so every couple months do uh I swap. could totally see twice a year without it being that taxing. I think so. Because you've got a, you've got a month to get the model uh, to your counterpart um, for when it all gets uh, put up. So it was on the what was it the sixteenth that the names went live. So I've got until the sixteenth of next month. Which I I think is a, a good timing for it because again then he has like models during the summer that he can possibly use and if if Dallas does another one hopefully maybe before Christmas so like during the month of November then maybe and then you've got a new model for Christmas and then it's exciting and I'm not talking in the right direction so yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're used to that word yeah do you guys have any other thoughts on this kind of style of a a painting event and maybe some things that you'd like to see from it Uh, some either benefits that you might also find associated with it things maybe along those lines Mike want to go first nope I'll go CD there's a reason why I didn't go (laughs) okay Fair enough. Um, well, the just wanted to start off with a little bit of a background. Where I actually pr- participated in a couple of these through uh, the Cool Mini or Not forum, but the big difference was it was just a miniature exchange, not a painted miniature exchange. Okay. So it was just an opportunity for people to find, and again, it was encouraged to find some like old, weird, interesting, not necessarily weird miniatures, but like well, because they didn't well, some, I guess some they weird did miniatures technically exist at the time, but not some unusual miniatures or some like random stuff from your collection that you think will be cool and interesting. So I think some of the miniatures that I got, um, one of the times that I remember were, I think it was a blister pack of the um, the Storm of Chaos Tutagen Guard, which were those Middenheimer oh, yep, yeah, great sword yeah. alternatives where they had the fur cloaks and the great hammers and all that. And that was kind of neat because. I liked great swords, and at the time I was painting up some Empire models, and those models had been discontinued, so it's not it wasn't something you could just go off the shelf and get. Nice. And I'm trying to remember what I think I snagged. I think I shipped off to my you know cool mini or not exchange partner or whatever that particular year. I think it was some of the the Lord of the Rings character models that everyone was trying to get like individually out of some of the packs of like 10 characters that were too expensive oh nice so some of the nice ones that um yeah i cherry picked some of the nicer models out of my lord of the rings collection and uh that would otherwise have been hard to get you know have to buy a 60 dollar box to get the one cool guy mm-hmm. so i shipped a bunch of those off in return because i think the guy was interested in lord of the rings nice and, and so that was cool but adding the painting of the models is a whole new level it's not just people rummaging through models that are neat but they're not going to paint anytime soon like, I do like that element quite a bit of um, having a painted miniature as well. You, get, again, get that chance to see other people's styles, push yourself a little bit on your own miniature. One thing that I would hope for in all this is that people are taking some pictures as well so they could upload to the Facebook page or whatever examples of the miniatures that took part in the exchange. I think that would be really cool, too. 
Yep. So hopefully that is part of the plan. As a wrap-up sort of piece? Yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah, I think so. Uh, with uh, with your swap that you did before with the managers, did you guys say what you wanted uh, or what you were interested in, like Lord of the Rings and such? Um, I think it was... That one was billed less as like a Secret Santa style, so... Like then, I think it was just via a private message or whatever uh, from the person that was organizing it, and it was years ago, so unfortunately I don't remember the names of the people involved. Gotcha. Okay. But um, when you did get paired up, I think it was kind of encouraged to, you know, you were okay to talk to the other person and just be like, "Hey, what are you interested in? What type of models do you like to paint?" And uh, so yeah, it was a lot more open in that regard because there wasn't that secret Santa element to it. But we still have in this in this one there still is that aspect, right? Like, yeah, it's I was... part of the sign up process, I guess, yeah. right? Uh, and I think one of the real advantages that I can see to this, that I'm totally ignoring, by the way, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into what model I'm doing later. I just don't want to say it now because there is a certain air of secrecy of it. Yep. But once everything's all said and done, there will be talks about it. But you you can kind of go outside your comfort zone, right? Like, let's say the the, the thing, models that you love to paint are on their dislike list. Well, you're going to have to go and paint something else for once. So it's a great excuse to just paint a model. And I know, especially locally, there's not a lot of opportunities for just painting competitions uh, that you would at some of the major cons, which hopefully we might change moving forward. But at the same time, this kind of gives you that opportunity to push yourself to do a one-off model without it being a competition. So you're getting all the benefits of that uh, personal growth of the process of set doing a model for that style without any of the downside of like losing. Yeah, there's that. Because <laughs> that's no fun. Uh, so it has all the benefits and none of the downsides. So it's a really great uh, way to build the community that way. And especially because we're having people in Edmonton participate, people in Calgary participate. It's helping kind of bridge um, the surprisingly large gap between the hobbyists and gamers in these two cities. Even though there's no other major cities remotely near the two of us. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a good uh, community building tool for sure. And like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the results and see how it all breaks down in the end. Yeah, and anyone that did not participate, I do encourage you to try it next time. And never feel um, that you shouldn't do it because you don't think you can paint well enough. Because there's always having that chance to try and sit down and try and push yourself is always going to be great for you. And again, if you're wanting to like send the model out to someone and be like, hey, what do you think? Like, What can I do better next time? You can get some really good feedback. Especially if someone's got the model in their hands instead of just looking at pictures online. So Yeah, I mean there's varying skills in anything that you do, right? Like even you look at a like a baseball team, Steve, there's different levels of <laughs> uh skill on that team alone, right? So even though the weakest guy uh on the team, he's still part of the team. So by by just participating, it's a big thing and you can get a lot out of it, I think. Sweet analogy, bro. Uh, <laughs> I was sport, I just was do it. Do your best. I was sporting you were there on for it. the team. I'm just like I painted one hundred and ten percent. One hundred and ten percent, man. <laughs> Took it one one brush stroke at a time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I do want to thank Dallas for setting this up. Uh, he's also the same guy that's been setting up all of the painting clinics. Uh, as well down in Calgary, like the Matthew Fontaine one that you went to. Yes. Yes. And man. there's another one coming up. Do you remember the guy's name? Well, that's coming? Yeah. Uh, Angel. Okay, cool. And I'm actually hope, thinking I'm going to go to this one. Uh, I just, it's not a matter of money, it's or what Kyra says, it's more of like, <laughs> do I have the time off of work? So, Fair enough. So if I have that weekend off, or if I can somehow finagle that weekend off, I will be there as well. Cool. Okay. 
Awesome. So I guess uh, that's it for our main content this week. Oh, is there is there a website or a Facebook group that these people should check out, Tom? The oh. Alberta, Alberta <laughs> not to put you on the spot or society. Anything. Is that what it is? Yeah. You want to say that again when I'm not talking? Okay. The Alberta Miniatures Painting Society. Uh, it's a Facebook group that uh, Dallas started up, and basically it started with the people that went to the last clinic, but anybody that's interested in painting is uh, at the group. I mean, we even added Tom, so... They did add me. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like actually a pretty Standards great resource. have dropped. Uh, a lot of people have been posting in that group uh, various tips and tricks they've seen online. Uh, you're finding some different photos of models people are working on. Uh, photos of just, like, resources. So uh, I think it was Dallas himself that posted, like, a lot of different metallics and, like, how they actually, like, look. So, like, yeah, I think hey, there was, hey uh, here's a bunch of silvers, and it's, like, the same item, uh, yeah. but with just different tones of the silvers on it. So. Some of those were, I think some of those might have been, again, like, 3D art references. So they can literally just skin the same object in different materials. Mm-hmm. And using physics-based rendering and other wonderful techniques that I heard about at GDX, um, you can get all those different material effects on the same object and have, like, a direct comparison. So there's some great uh, tutorials out there, not even just from mini-painting perspective, but lots of great things if you're into non-metallic or whatever. And having these painting groups is a great way to share those resources and just get better. Yeah. Uh, they talk about We've talked about different, like, brushes... Uh, techniques, uh, the different resources that we just mentioned as well. Uh, so super handy. Good for bouncing ideas off of uh, other painters um, that share the same interests and such. So I'm really happy that I'm part of it and uh, hopefully uh, it just goes forward and grows. Absolutely. So on the topic of events, because it may as well segue into that ward what is coming up in alberta we have a few events coming up uh so the end of may um x-wing regionals uh at the dragon's den in saskatoon uh i believe they have over 26 players already signed up i have no idea um i'm part of that group too so (laughs) i hear a little bit of feedback with that so uh, so that's at the end of May. Uh, beginning of June, uh, June 4th and 5th, is the tournament OP uh, down at uh, the Glen Morgan Community Center in Calgary. Uh, Ninth Age uh, Fantasy and 40K, both of which are going to be two-day events. Uh, there are still still blah, 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 blah. there are still spots in both systems. Uh, there is a bar on site, and there will be candy as well, I have been told. Not Ooh. punch and pie, but candy and beer. So, do they normally have punch and pie? I don't know. Then why? Because of punch and pie. I want punch and pie right now. That's not random. It's not a reference that you get. Okay, never mind. Uh, June June 18th is the Clash at the Airy in St. Albert. Uh, 1850 40k event. Uh, No painting is required. There is a bar at that event as well. I'm detecting a trend. There seems to be a trend going in a direction. Uh, June 18th also holds the June GWN Brawler. Uh, at the uh, local church that they host at all their events. I know that they're starting to do more systems. I think Malifaux might yep, be at this Malifaux one. Is in the, Malifaux is at this one? I don't know if it's at this one, but they are doing Malifaux. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, check out uh, Great White North Gaming on Facebook there. Mainly, yeah, mainly 40K, but they have been tossing in other uh, events as well, so check out, see what they're doing. Uh, we are going to jump and do uh, two events in July here as well, uh, both on the same weekend, so depending on where you are in the country. July 16th and 17th, the first one is the King of the North. 
uh, Grand Prairie Steamroller. Uh, they're going to do 50 points, and there is also three-man team events. So Jacob is running that one. Yep. Uh, and then at the same time, the Wet Coast GT is at the Grand Villa Casino in Burnaby. Uh, that was the one that I went to last year, and they had Flames of War. Um, Malfo. Uh, there will be this year. There will be this year. There wasn't last X-Wing. year. X-Wing. Um, War Machine Hordes. Uh, Probably forty K. Oh yeah, they did forty K for sure. Uh, and then I don't know if they're doing Ninth Age or maybe they're gonna do Age of Sigmar. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah, check it out and uh, see one, what they so. say. Yeah, I had a really good time last year, so I highly recommend it. Go check out uh, it. Talk to Dan's out there as Dan well. Miner. Dan Miner. Miner. Um, <laughs> and that's all the events that I have for uh, June, July, and May. Really? You don't have uh, Warhammered on the twenty third? I think that's all that is, not? Nope. Not yet. Okay, really? Mike, tell us about wow. that one. Well, I actually don't know that much about it. I know, I'm oh, pretty sure it's the 23rd. Mike. It's that weekend. Uh, Paul Ting is organizing. organizing this one. It's $100, I believe. Uh, lots of drinks. There's definitely a drinks little, at Warhammer. There's the trend again. A little bit of Warhammer. Yeah. No, I think things. it's actually Age of Sigmar this year. Oh. oh. And, of course, uh, he always does special scenarios up and stuff like that. It's... It's the fun time cables. to have, yes. I have never once heard of someone going to Warhammer and saying, ah, you know, it was okay. Yeah. Everyone comes back and is like, I hate this game, but I love that tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It's one of those ones, just go. It doesn't, whether or not you care much about uh, fantasy games anymore, uh, bust out your army, go down, hang out with a lot of great people, play on some beautiful tables. And have a good time drinking a lot of beer. Maybe he needs to rebrand it as the Age of Schmammered. (gasps) No. No. (laughs) I was trying. I was reaching, grasping, nothing. Is is that all you got, Ward? That's all I got. Okay. Well, until next time, this has been another episode of Holiday in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. I'm Ward. And paint your fucking models and then give them to other people in the mail.